This is Avery After Dark, and I am your host, Avery Ross. If you're new here, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. I hope you find this podcast to be a very welcomed escape during your week. And to my avid spooky fans who have been listening to Avery After Dark for a while, you are in for a real treat with today's episode. I always wanted this podcast to feel like you and I are just friends sitting around sharing stories, and I really hope that that's what you feel when you listen. To all of those who have left such nice reviews on Apple Podcasts, thank you. It helps so much. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review and a rating and share this podcast with your friends and family, anybody that you know that loves mysteries, supernatural. And if you want all these episodes ad-free, join the Avery After Dark Patreon. I love my loyal Patreon members. Today's episode is a story time. An Avery After Dark original, it's a supernatural, thriller, true crime mystery, all twisted into one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is the music box. Am I ready for this? I asked myself as I pulled out of the driveway of my old apartment. I was officially out on my own. I graduated college the week before and had recently accepted a job as an art museum curator in Savannah, Georgia. I found a cute little house for rent a few streets over from the museum. This was it. A whole new chapter. But before I made my way to my new life, I had to pick up the things I left from my old one. I had to stop by and pick up some boxes from my Aunt Laura's in Atlanta. I grew up living with my Aunt Laura and my Uncle Jim after my mom died when I was 10 years old. She took me in after I lost my own mother, her sister, and she became like a mom to me. She took me to my first art museum. She and my Uncle Jim paid for my college. I really felt like God gave me a second chance at a family with her. I was an only child, and my dad wasn't ever in the picture, so it was just Laura. But she was gone now. It was a Saturday night. I had just gone out with some friends from class when I got the call. My Uncle Jim frantically wailing into the phone. My Aunt Laura had died in a car accident. Drunk driver. I can't even explain the feeling upon hearing that. It was just despair. I felt like I couldn't breathe, like there was no more oxygen in the entire world. It felt like I was losing my mom all over again. And the past year had been a painful mess. After losing her, I felt like dropping out of college and just quitting, giving up. But I didn't. She would kick my butt if I did. So I stayed in school, graduated for her, and I knew I needed a fresh start. But I still had so much stuff left at my Aunt Laura's and needed to pick it up before moving into my new place. Among those belongings I had to pick up were a ton of my mom's things, sentimental items of hers I was planning on keeping forever. I had a lot of storage in the basement of my new house I was renting, so I made my way over, and Uncle Jim helped me pack the load of dusty boxes into the back of my car. Uncle Jim was putting the house up for sale later this month. He himself was in complete grief. Aunt Laura was his soulmate. He was moving into a smaller place across town, and I was excited for him to get a fresh start. I mean, living in that house without her would be brutal. Love you. Come visit me soon, I said as I hugged him goodbye. I will, Layla. Good luck. I love you, he said back. I pulled out of the driveway, looking back at the house that I grew up in. All the memories. I quickly looked away before I could tear up. The faster I drove, the better it felt. Away I went. Away from the fact that I've lost the two most important people in my life. Focus on now. 
I repeated to myself during the drive. A therapist I had been seeing since Laura's death was attempting to help me cope. Keyword there, attempting. On a brighter side, this new job really was my dream job. Laura loved this museum. We took a trip there when I was 12, and she would be so excited. She made me fall in love with art. I love that when you're looking at a piece, it can transport you to another time, another place, another dimension, make you feel something. For me, it brings me memories of my mom, memories of Laura. A couple hours later, I finally made it to my new house, and it was adorable. I was grateful my aunt and mom had left me a little bit of money so I could rent it. Lord knows I couldn't afford to live in a place like this without them. I parked my car in the driveway, made my way up the sidewalk, and onto the big porch. I took my keys out, opened the front door, and I was home. I smiled as I walked through. It was perfect. Dark wood floors with arched doorways. The house was built in the 1920s and was very charming. I began hauling all my belongings inside, starting with my mom's boxes and carefully placing those in the basement. I had been unpacking for about an hour when I heard a yoo-hoo at the front door. I walked towards the front room to see a woman, about 30-something, standing in my open doorway. I hope I'm not interrupting. I'm Rose. I live next door to the right with my husband, Todd. I saw you were moving in and I just wanted to say welcome, she said warmly. Hi, Rose. I'm Layla. It's great to meet you, I said back. This house is such a charmer. I was wondering who was going to scoop it up, Rose said. Yeah, I'm so glad I found it. I just took a job at the art museum, so it's really the perfect location, I said. Rose proceeded to give me the lowdown on the neighborhood. She had lived there for four years with her husband, so she really knew it all. To your right is Grant. He just moved in a year or so ago, and I am a married woman, but oh, he is just so handsome. He's in seminary school, going to become a minister. And when he's not doing that, he's volunteering around town. And as far as I know, he's single. Men like him don't stay single for long, so if I were you, Rose said, winking at me. She continued on, her demeanor shifting. One person I do want to warn you about is Mr. Thompson. She pointed through the house to the home directly behind me. Why? What's wrong with Mr. Thompson? I asked. Well, there's been a string of break-ins in the area as of late, and to be honest, there's no evidence tying him to it, but we all suspect Mr. Thompson. He's just strange. He's lived in that house alone for years, doesn't talk to anyone, just stares out his windows. We've seen him peering at us. Ugh, he just gives me the creeps. He's always watching. The most recent break-in were the neighbors down the street. They came home about a month ago to find their TVs, some cash, and other valuables had been stolen, Rose said. Oh my gosh. The rental company didn't tell me anything about this, I said concerned. Well, they wouldn't. They don't want to scare off a renter. You'll be fine, though. Just keep your eye on Mr. Thompson and always keep your doors locked, Rose said. Eventually, Rose made her way back to her house and I continued to unpack. Made me feel good to meet her, just a tad unsettling about the recent activity in the neighborhood. A few hours later, I was trying to unwedge a bulging suitcase out of the back seat when a voice emerged from behind me. Looks like you may need a hand, the voice said. I whipped around and saw him. I presumed Grant. He had bright blue eyes, sandy blonde hair, and was wearing a flannel t-shirt and jeans. He was a looker. Rose was right. Oh, yeah. Hi. I was going to hire movers in this attempt to be self-sufficient. I thought I could do this all on my own, I said. Hey, self-sufficient is always good, but so is a little help. May I? 
he asked. I nodded as he walked over and quickly unwedged the suitcase. I followed him as he carried it inside. Oh, you can put that anywhere. Thanks so much, I said. I'm Grant, he said. Layla, nice to meet you, I said back. Well, welcome to the neighborhood. I live right next door to your left, he said, pointing that way. I heard. Rose from next door gave me all the deets on the neighborhood, I said. Are you from the area? No, Atlanta. I just graduated college. I moved here to take a job at the art museum, I said back. That's awesome. Good for you. Glad to have you here. It's a great place to live. Been here for about a year, and I honestly never want to leave, Grant said laughing. He looked over to the big box labeled kitchen. Oh, let me, he said as he picked it up and walked it into the next room. Oh, you really don't have to, I said, half grateful though, because that box was so heavy I almost threw my back out just trying to get it inside the door. Not a problem. I've got to head to class, but hey, I'm right next door. If you need anything, just holler, he said, smiling. I will, I said back as he made his way out of the front door and back over to his house. Rose was right. Cute and helpful. How is this guy single? I spent the rest of the day unpacking, and the delivery truck dropped off my new mattress that afternoon. I ordered a pizza from a local place that Rose suggested, and at around 11 p.m., I decided to call it a night and lock up. I walked around to all the doors, windows, making sure they were latched tight and locked. At the back door, that's when I looked up and saw him. Mr. Thompson. Standing there in his window, watching me. He looked to be in his 60s. In a gesture to be nice, I did a little wave, and he just stood there, and then disappeared behind a curtain. Did give me the creeps. I climbed into my new bed and pulled the comforter up to my chin. I was excited and also scared all at once. Rose mentioning the neighborhood break-ins really did worry me. I was all on my own now. For my entire life, I was always being protected by either my mom or my Aunt Laura. And now they were gone. And I was here, left alone. Please watch over me, you two, I said as I looked out the window to the starry night, hoping Mom and Laura heard me. I was so exhausted, I was out within minutes. I was fast asleep when suddenly I was jolted awake by a sound. I sat up and couldn't place what I was hearing. I checked the clock, 3 a.m. on the dot. It sounded like it was coming from downstairs. Half asleep, I pushed myself out of bed and followed the melody. I walked down the stairs, and that music led straight to the basement door. Mom's music box, I said to myself. In one of those boxes I took from my aunts, I remembered my mom's music box was in one of them. I opened the basement door, walked downstairs, and as I thought, I heard it coming from the stack of boxes I had just placed in the corner earlier that day. As I hit the last step on the stairs, the music stopped. I walked over to find the music box opened, sitting at the very top of a box of mom's things that I thought I had secured shut with tape. I lifted it up and examined it, unsure of why it would go off or how it was opened. It was from the 60s and it was a wind-up music box. Who knows, maybe it malfunctioned. Maybe it shifted around in the move. My mom played with this music box all the time as a young girl. It was one of those sentimental items I was planning on keeping forever. I shut it closed and placed it over on the other side of the basement next to the basement door that led to the backyard. I made my way back upstairs and got into bed. That following week, I continued unpacking and started my first day at the museum. Everything was going really well. It was all coming together. I had some more furniture delivered and I had somewhat of a family room coming along. And it was starting to feel like a real home. One night after work, I pulled into my driveway and saw Grant standing on my front porch. 
Hey, I said as I jumped out of the car. Hey, yourself. I brought you a welcome gift, he said as he held up a bottle of wine. Oh, he comes bearing gifts. I will accept only if you have a glass with me, I said as I made my way up to the front door and led us both inside. I found two wine glasses still tucked away in a box and poured us drinks. Here you go, I said as we both plopped down on the couch and did a cheers. How are you liking it here in Savannah, he asked. I really like it so far. I'm still trying to unpack, as you can see, but I started at the museum and it's great. Just still trying to get settled in, I said. How about you? Rose mentioned that you were in seminary school? Yeah, my dad was a minister, so kind of following in his footsteps, I suppose he said, smiling. That's amazing, I said back. Grant and I sat there for another hour talking about everything, really. He told me he grew up in a small town in Tennessee where his family still lives. He came here for school, was still making friends, and I told him all about myself, graduating, my mom, Aunt Laura. He was so easy to talk to, and I was relieved to have a friend. You know, we should get together sometime, maybe for dinner I can show you a great spot in downtown Savannah with the best fried chicken you will ever have, he said. Deal. It's a date, he said. We both smiled as we walked to the front door and I watched him walk back to his house. He turned and gave one last wave. I can't lie. I was giddy. He was very cute. That night, I unpacked a few more boxes and then climbed into bed, quickly falling asleep. When again, I was jolted awake by that sound. I looked at the clock, 3 a.m. on the dot again. Ugh. I laid there long enough, hoping it would stop on its own. But it didn't. It kept playing and playing. Oh, come on, I said, pushing myself out of bed. I made my way back down to the basement, flicked on the light, walked down the stairs. And again, as soon as I hit the last step, it stopped. But this time, I looked over to see the basement door was wide open. I watched in horror and shock as a dark figure quickly darted away from the basement door through my backyard. It looked like he was holding a crowbar. He disappeared into the darkness, running towards Mr. Thompson's house. I screamed and quickly ran over and locked the basement door. I bolted up the stairs and called the police. 911, what's your emergency? The operator asked. Someone is trying to break into my house. I just saw them. They escaped through my backyard, I said. Savannah police arrived within a few minutes as I stood in the front room waiting for them. I had never felt so alone, so vulnerable, so unprotected. They arrived and I told them everything. They did a perimeter check but said they didn't find anything. There was no trace of the intruder. An officer filled out a report and said they would drive around the neighborhood the next couple nights and keep an eye on things. It was good when I woke up when I did. The officer also told me to invest in a security system. You sure there wasn't anything stolen? The cop asked. No, to be honest, it looked like I had caught him just as he was breaking in, I said. As they were walking back to their patrol car, Grant came running up to the front porch, still in his pajamas, as far as I could tell. Layla, what happened? Are you alright? He asked. Yeah, I'm fine. Someone tried to break in tonight. I woke up to find my basement door wide open and saw someone running away. I couldn't get a good look at them, but the person ran towards Mr. Thompson's house. I said, still visibly shaking. Oh my gosh. Let's get you inside. I'll sit with you if you want. I can check the house too, Grant offered. That would be great, actually. Thanks. It was so scary, I said. I was grateful that Grant was there. He came inside and looked all around, searched the entire house. All clear. He sat with me for a bit, 
Do you think it was Mr. Thompson? Rose said that you all suspected him. Thought he was the one responsible for the break-ins, I asked Grant. It could be, Layla. I've never spoken to the guy, but I've seen him strangely peering out of his windows at the neighbors. I just want to make sure you're safe, he said. It was the strangest thing, though. The only reason I woke up and went downstairs was because my mom's old music box went off. I think it's malfunctioning because it keeps waking me up at night. Tonight, I'm thankful. It malfunctioned at just the right moment because I caught the intruder and scared him off, I said. And now another quick word from today's sponsors. You're back with Avery After Dark. The next couple days, I worked, and every night at 3 a.m., that music box continued to go off. So on my way home from work one day, I stopped at a vintage shop in Savannah and brought the music box. It keeps going off at 3 a.m. I just wanted to know if you could fix it, I asked. The older gentleman looked it over for a few minutes, inspecting it, and then paused. There's no way this thing could play music, he said point blankly. What? It does. It's been going off every night, I said back. It can't, he said pointing at the box. See, the rounded cylinder is broken. That's how the music plays. Without that functioning, there's no way it could go off, he said. He opened it, tried to get it to play, but it wouldn't. See, he said. I was thoroughly confused and honestly a bit embarrassed. Well, I don't know what's going on. All I know is it's been going off in the middle of the night. I know it has. 3 a.m. I've heard it, I said. Well, in my 40 years in the business, I've never heard of anything like this, the older man said. I walked out of the shop with my mom's music box in hand, overwhelmed. This, the intruder, everything. What was going on? I got home and placed the music box on a table that sat right in front of the front windowsill. I watched a bit of TV and eventually made my way to my bedroom where I drifted asleep. And again. As soon as I sat up, I had chills all over my body. How could this be? I checked the clock. 3 a.m. on the dot. I walked downstairs, turned the corner, and walked towards the music box, the melody echoing throughout the entire house, still continuing to play and getting louder with every step I made towards it. When suddenly, I looked up and saw a figure standing in the window just above the front table I was walking towards. It was him, my neighbor, his familiar eyes, his lip curled into a horrid grin. Standing outside my window, was Grant, staring at me. The music box stopped playing at that exact instant. Grant had a black ski cap on, black hoodie, and was carrying a crowbar. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It looked like he was mere moments from breaking in. He stood there peering at me. I screamed and ran back upstairs, locked myself in my bedroom, and called 911. Police arrived within minutes, and I met them at the front door. I told them everything and I watched as officers charged over to Grant's house. I sat with an officer in the front room until, a few minutes later, a policeman walked in and told us, Ma'am, we've got him in custody, and we've searched his house. We found evidence pointing to him being the culprit of the recent neighborhood break-ins, the officer told me. I couldn't believe it. It was him. All along. I confided in him. He was going to school to be a minister, for goodness sake. It all started to click. In the past few weeks, when I invited him in, he got the layout of the place, figured out exactly where he could break in. It was him, all along. The officer continued, We have reason to believe that's who you caught trying to break in last week. You're lucky you woke up and caught him in time tonight. Looks like he was trying to break in again, and who knows what could have happened. 
I walked outside to see Grant sitting in the back of the squad car. As police walked out and back down the sidewalk, I saw Mr. Thompson walk up the sidewalk. I had never seen him out of the house before, but I recognized him from the window. He walked up to me and waved. Hi, I know we haven't met, and I'm sorry if you thought I was watching you, but I've been suspicious of him all along, he said as we both looked over to Grant, handcuffed. He continued on. I never trusted him and became really concerned when I saw you inviting him into your home. To be honest, I was scared for you. Wow. All along, everyone thought... I said, cutting myself off. Yeah, I know. I lost my family in a fire about seven years ago. I live in that house alone now and keep to myself. But when Grant moved in about a year ago, that's when I heard about the break-in starting. Something just seemed off about him. No one's that perfect, he said. I had no evidence to go to the police with, and I figured if I told you guys my theory, you would just suspect me even more. So I just kept an eye out for you. I'm glad you're safe. It's a miracle you were up and caught the guy, he said. Yeah, I am lucky, I said as I looked back into the house. I made my way back inside and walked over to the music box. And it all made sense now. Mom, Aunt Laura... My guardian angels, thank you for looking out for me, I said. Police informed me in the coming days that Grant turned out to have a long arrest record. Violent offender, break-ins, theft. And turned out, his real name wasn't even Grant. It was actually Nick Jameson. He had no family in Tennessee. His dad wasn't a minister. Everything about him was a lie. Nick was never in seminary school. He had everyone fooled. Not everyone, though. Mom and Aunt Laura saw him for who he was from above, saw what was going on, and they were warning me all along. I thought back and remembered the first time I invited Grant into my home, that music box went off that very night, like a warning signal. And all along, I thought I was alone and unprotected. Quite the opposite. In the coming days, weeks, that music box didn't go off again. I know in my heart it was them. And from that day on, I knew, although they were gone, they were still here. Because the truth is, your lost loved ones are always still here. They're all around us, all the time. I lived in that house for another couple years, and Mr. Thompson and I actually grew close. We'd have coffee on weekends sometimes. He missed his family, so I think he enjoyed having me around. And I found him to be a comforting presence as I lived there, a watchful eye. I was wrong about Mr. Thompson. We all were. The entire ordeal taught me to not be so assuming. Some people, some things, aren't as they seem. So if you've lost a loved one, I urge you to look out for the ways in your everyday life that they're still with you. May just end up saving your life like it saved mine. One day, during one of our coffee conversations, Mr. Thompson's nephew Jacob stopped by, and we were introduced. We got to talking, and really connected. As of today, we've been dating for three years, and not a peep from the music box. He must be approved by my mom and Aunt Laura. The music box is an Avery After Dark original. I wrote it, and I've been working on it for a while now, and I really hope that you all enjoyed it. I've received so many messages from you all stating that you enjoy these kinds of stories because you yourselves have lost people and you don't want them to be gone. 
You want them to still be with you day to day. And I truly, truly believe that they are. So I urge you, if it brings you peace, to continue talking to your loved ones. I believe that they're listening. And to know that you are never alone. I hope that you were touched by this story and you enjoyed it. And I want to let you know we have some really exciting holiday episodes coming up. In the meantime, I hope you all are taking care of yourselves. I know that the holiday season isn't always the easiest time for a lot of people. It is a beautiful season, but for people that are maybe not getting along with family members or are in a transitional period in their life, it is a bit more challenging. So know that I am here for you, and I look forward to next episode. Until then, this is Avery After Dark.